Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 89. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. It is Wednesday, June 24th, and the bugs are out. Well, they're in. And in. They're in. They're in. There are more bugs in the guide shack than there are outside. It's a bit of a mystery. I kill bugs in here, and then I go to bed, and I have a bug net that hangs over my bed, my little bunk on the loft, and there's no bugs up there. And then when I wake up, there's like 80 million bugs around the bug net. So somehow they're getting through the screen at night. Uh, I think one of them might come in and open the door for the others. I think it's all the buckets of standing water you just leave around in the guide shack. <laughs> Probably yeah. that. Yeah, they're, they're pretty brutal right now. Um, so if you hear a swatting uh, during the <laughs> podcast, that's it. We're just being buzzed like yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, it's been the last couple of days have been ridiculously hot. Um highs of like 91 or 90 and then that paired with the bugs has made people pretty pretty slow every day slow and a little cranky a little definitely i've been way more than a little cranky yeah it's hard yeah it's hard this is a hard time of year in northern maine uh but this morning we woke up and it's full-on overcast and it's a little bit cooler and we're supposed to finally get some rain after five weeks six weeks and no rain i'll believe it when i see it yeah i know right (laughs) So this happens a few years ago. We dug a pond in the late summer, and then it didn't rain for like seven straight weeks. When I'm really excited to have the pond fill in with water, it's an impounded stream with several springs as well. But it was just super, super slow to fill. It took a couple of months for the thing to fill up. Granted, it's thousands and thousands of gallons of water. Um, But, you know, it was a little frustrating. The second that we wanted it to rain, it stopped raining. Usually it's pretty wet around here. And then this year... Uh, we cleared the spot in Moose Vegas, and uh, I planted a bunch of white clover, and that was about five weeks ago, and we haven't gotten a drop of rain since then. Nope. So it's like Mother Nature is just sort of, uh, not mocking me, but uh, thwart, thwarting my desires. Is that? That's a great, that's a great sentence. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's 100% the coffee My desires have been thwarted by nature. <laughs> it's the story of outdoor living, I think. But today, we're going to get all philosophical and talk about outdoor living. We planned to do it last time, but our stories of daring do and rescue on the Allagash kind of took over. Just so, for people in podcast land, I'm watching... T- have you guys ever seen a person with uh, like the plates on the sticks? That's what Tim's doing. He's talking about philosophy, but he's also... Both hands are sort of moving in different directions like an octopus squishing bugs. Yeah, because they're buzzing me like they crazy. Are, uh, yeah, they're out hard. Um, anyway, yeah, let's get into this. Yeah, we should. It's a, it's a really cool topic. We've talked about it a lot on podcasts previously, but we've never really devoted one to it. Um, and it's for me personally, it's important because this is sort of the basis of the whole program that I'm starting in Vermont is 
set around this idea of uh, of an open air life or uh, yeah free air kind of way of living rather than yeah as opposed to sort of the modern approach to the outdoors which in America involves you know taking your picture at the top of a mountain selfie first safety yep, last selfie first safety last rather than just seventy thousand dollar four wheel drive pickup trucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for us to talk about it and for you guys to learn a little bit more about it and get a better understanding of how the courses in Vermont will be framed. So what we're talking about is a concept called sleeve. It is a Norwegian term that I would probably have never have heard of if I was not a regular attendee of the Snow Walkers Rendezvous in Vermont. One year, a while back, I was there... And uh, I met Roger and Sarah Isberg, and they were out promoting their book, um, Simple Life, uh, Free Lift Sleeve in the, in the Open Air. What is that called? Life in the Open Air. Life in the Open Air. It was just called Simple Life. And it's a beautiful little book. It's yeah. a narrative. And, and uh, you know, really enjoyed speaking to them and reading about this alternative philosophy. Uh, Sarah was from New England. Uh, Roger was from Sweden and had worked at one of the Swedish folk schools for a number of years. And then this book kind of encapsulated a lot of that philosophy. And it was really interesting because they were into a lot of the same things that we were into, um, but maybe with a little bit of a different twist. So uh, not, maybe not so much like modern American outdoor ed, but definitely the culture of Maine guiding and the traditional Maine guide culture. You know, a lot of the same things like building your own gear, like being out and enjoying nature and not necessarily having to run the biggest rapid or climb the highest peak like that wasn't a big part of it it was yeah. much more about the relationship the the literal translation just means open air life um and but that enca encapsulates so much the the term originated in 1859 by someone named henrik ibsen who was a play a really famous playwright if you guys know the song hall of the mountain king which everybody does he wrote the play that that song is a part of um but the, the simplest definition I've found that sums it up really well is a woman named Heidi Richardson. She uh, was writing in a book called Nature First um, that we, I mean, almost force our students to read when they're up here because it, it's such a good one. But she defines it as a, the use of simple equipment, simple to no accommodations, and that skill and um, experience are the vital part of of each participant. They have to have some skill and experience or be willing to learn that rather than rely on the gear that they have. And that, that is pretty much what we're about up here. Um, well, it sounds almost anti-American right there. Yeah. I mean, in a little ways it kind of is um, the, <laughs> for me anyway, I think the, the American sort of approach to outdoor living or outdoor adventure stuff is uh, I don't know. I don't think it does us, a, it does us a service. It kind of, it's like, you know, we kind of already mentioned it, but it's about getting to the top of the mountain and, um, what it really sums up to me is that if you see anybody that is living outdoors and most of any picture they take of the natural world, their faces in it there, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, it isn't about, it isn't about, uh, being out there. It's about letting people know, see that you were there rather well, than just selfie, experiencing. selfie it's, culture. Exactly. Selfie culture. And it's, and I think the outdoor industry is probably the worst one for that because you you need you need you want the accolades you want to show that you've been to a place and so rather than just enjoying the place that you're in you need a picture of you in it so that nobody can i don't know i don't really understand any more than that but. well it's sort of been 
Like many things, as the outdoors gain in popularity, bushcraft is especially guilty of this. Yes. It's been co-opted by the marketers in order to move products. Right. It's not enough to go out and enjoy a walk in the woods. you got to have the best knife and the best this right. and titanium you know, vest and some other kind of silly thing. Whereas... You know, I hear, I, I speak to a lot of people and, and you know, let's let's call it what it is. The bushcraft has jumped the shark for all intents and purposes. Uh, we're stuck with the name, but, um, you know, you, you talk to older folks and they talk about, like, you know, talking to Ed Butler. Yeah. Uh, people talk about, you know, when they were kids, you had some really piece of garbage knife that you got, you know, for a nickel or a quarter or you found it somewhere and just like a crappy folding knife and that's what you had and you used it to whittle. You used it to clean fish. You used it for everything. Right. It didn't, you know, the, the barrier to entry wasn't, you got to have this $100 custom special, yeah. you know, piece of gear, whatever that may be, a knife, a pack. It, you know, it didn't matter. And I think that's the origin of, of bushcraft, at least in my mind, because I'm also one of those people who look longingly at the past like that. But also I think it's, you know, the it's sort of the idea that's put forth with Freeless Sleeve is that's okay you know yeah that that's that's the goal the goal isn't the fancy pieces of gear the fancy this or that and again i don't want to say there's nothing wrong with having nice gear there's nothing wrong with fancy gear it's all about what the focus is right so if you're out and the whole focus is on the gear and the selfies and this and that then that's just a different experience if you know you gotta you, you spend a little bit of money on a knife so good for you but you know you're not you don't spend the whole day staring at the knife and you know pictures well, of the knife you take the whole or, day take taking pictures of it yeah but so the part the what we're talking about has been like the uh the root of sort of the i, I guess you would call it at one point it was the free let's leave movement and it started with this guy arn nass who was a philosopher and an outdoor person that really enjoyed it and he at some point got really fed up with um sort of they wouldn't have called it peak bagging at the time but it was similar to that and so his response to that was to go to Go to famous place. The biggest one they did was they went to uh, the sort of country around Mount Everest and intentionally didn't summit it. They just hiked and enjoyed the places around Everest and just enjoyed it from afar. And that that to me is exactly what that's that's the the root of all of this for me is that it's not about um, it's not about these high adrenaline um, sort of look at me, look what I can do kind of thing. It's a, they describe it as a, as slow experiences. Um, so you're, you're out there and you're just slowly enjoying it. You know, when we were on the Allagash last week, we met a lot of people that were trying to squeeze in the whole trip into like six or seven days, but I'd be willing to bet that, um, our students and us got a lot more out of it by spreading it out over 12 and having the time to just kind of relax in the campsites and enjoy that rather than just pushing through. Um, and that's not something you see often. Part of it is that people don't have the time to do that. But the other part of it is it's just about it's about finishing it rather than enjoying it. Yeah, wholeheartedly yeah. agree. So much of, you know, the outdoor culture is just making miles, right? In the modern American way. Yeah. Like just, you know, people plan to get up, get on the water by eight, get into camp at six that night and just push all day. Yeah. And you miss so much of the experience is missed there. Yeah. I mean, so in the last podcast, we talked about having a layover day and watching watching an eagle pluck a fish out of the shore, right by shore in front of us. If we had been if we had been making miles every day, we, we would we never would have seen that. We'd have spent the whole time having all the animals avoid us. Um, and that's that's the value of this, I think. And uh, 
Yeah, I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind while we're doing this, especially with the courses coming up, is that um, because they're not because there's the, the Vermont course is going to be spread out over a year. That's a lot of time for people to just slowly to digest this rather than trying to fit everything into the time that they have. Right. So it's like, uh, it's like, it's analogous to going to an all day cookout where you will eat this and that, as opposed to the hot dog eating contest. And Tim hasn't had breakfast yet. I can tell <laughs> the, I read something about Joey chestnut the other day. Who's the world champion hot dog eater. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, that was not that was not i'm, I'm trying t- to make the point about like right. that guy jamming 70 hot dogs in his mouth yeah. in like four minutes is exactly. a different experience it's, it is than, a different experience trying to go it just wasn't a topic eat. i was expecting to talk about with freelancing <laughs> but it's but it's a it's a solid analogy for sure um and there's also there's Joey also chestnut if you're listening we love you yeah <laughs> there's also something to the uh you know i worked at a ski mountain for a few years and by the end of it, I could just, I could, it was all about like getting to the top didn't, getting to the place didn't matter as much as experiencing the place. And there's this other quote that, uh, that I found in one of these books, which is, you know, someone who, uh, I believe they were in Norway, but they were talking about, they were at the time they were dealing with the legality of people taking helicopter rides to the top of the mountain to, um, to ski or snowboard down them. And this person's argument was that um, uh, you have not been there if you haven't walked there yourself. You do not deserve the peak if you haven't climbed it. And there's something to that for me is that there's there's this idea that if you get the right gear and you take a few pictures of yourself in a cool place, then that means that you are bushcraft god i don't really know but there's there's this idea that god with a little g yeah exactly god with a little g but there's this idea that just by having having been to the place with the stuff that you've achieved that but it's the same thing we were talking about with the eagle is that i would argue that the people that uh you know blow through the allagash or some other river they don't they haven't really been there they've been in the boat for six days they haven't really been to the place and experienced it and and everything it has to offer. Yeah, it brings up a, what does it take to really know a place? Yeah, exactly. And I would argue that the longer you're there, the more you know it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. So, you know, my question then for you is, I've taken the Cog Railway and the Auto Road to the top of Mount Washington in New Hampshire. That's not a question. With lots That's of not gear. a question. That's a Which statement. one of those would make a better selfie? This is like the weird version of if a train leaves Chicago. Yeah. Uh, probably the cog one. There you go. Just because that's I actually better. have never taken the cog route. But I have that. driven the auto road. Yeah. So the other, uh, quickly back to the who, I mentioned Roger and Sarah Isberg and Christopher mentioned some people from Norway. I also want to mention um, Bob Henderson, whose awesome book, Nature First, Outdoor Life, The Freeless Leaf Way, we mentioned before. Um, Bob is also uh, a man that I've met numerous times. Um at the Snowwalkers Rendezvous. Great guy. I think he's retired uh, professor of outdoor education in Canada now. And um, one of the chapters in that book uh, by Zabby McEachern on the role of craft making in Freeliff Sleeve. Zabby is also a Snowwalkers um, alum. I've met attendee. her there, attendee. I've met her numerous times. And what a fantastic uh, summation of you know, the role of what it means to make your own stuff from the natural world and the impact that that has on your experience there. So, for example, on our course here, on our semester course, usually within the first two weeks, we get started on everybody making their own canoe paddle. 
So it's a different experience making your own paddle with a couple of simple hand tools and then going and using it for 100 miles than it is to get the latest, greatest, you know, titanium infused carbon fiber or whatever from the store and and then using that. You know, you just get a greater appreciation, I think, for for the the whole experience when you're using things you've made yourself. And I, I don't think that should be a barrier to entry. I'm not I'm not going down that road, but I am making the point that it's a different experience when you when you're making those things yourself. Yeah, and there's something to that as well with the idea that um, like uh, there's often people think there's a lot of prerequisites to being outdoors or being a I don't know a naturalist or a greenwood carver or anything like that and. Uh, uh, there's a, another bit in one of these books where they talk about nature being immediately understandable. Um, and they go on to say that the best plan for guiding people into the open air is to shut up. And I think that that's, that's something really important here is that often with a lot of these courses, people, we've talked about it before, but it's the idea that, that you leave thinking how awesome the instructor is. And that, that I think does a disservice to people taking courses is that this is not this is a super accessible thing and you don't really need anything you know at one point reading some of this stuff they were talking about you know practicing free let's leave can be as simple as like a sunday afternoon hike with your family like that's the same thing you're still out and slowly enjoying it and you don't need you don't need a bunch of stuff to do that you just need your own two feet um and it says something to uh yeah, it's, it took me a few years to learn this, but as an educator up here, like the best thing I can do is turn people onto something and then just shut my mouth because they'll figure it out for themselves because this stuff is, we live this way for a long time and it's, it's deep in us. Um, and I think it doesn't take very long for people to, people to come to terms with that really quickly. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Being able to keep your mouth shut. New instructors want to impress everybody with how much they know. Yeah. New guides want to impress everybody with their river resume and how many peaks they've bagged and where they are. And I think you get a, the, a few years behind you, get a number of reps in, and then you learn that the experience is better for the client or the student if you just shut up and yep. let them have, the, have that cool experience. So, yeah, just to then compare and contrast that kind of free lift sleeve idea with what I see as modern American uh bushcraft or outdoorsmanship or whatever that i think that um on the freelift sleeve on the freelift sleeve side it's 100 percent experiential it's really a mental state that you approach this uh from and it's about participating in nature at any level so it's not a competition it's not trying to figure out who's got the best knife or the you know the the best resume or the best instructor it's just not a competition um, and I think that competition, while I, I like competition, uh, I think that it makes us well, all better. hot dog eating competition. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think it also, there's certain things where maybe things shouldn't be a competition. And maybe the outdoor industry, uh, because it's so focused on the gear and so focused on who's number one at this or that, that the experience is often the victim. Um, so, you know, things like going out for the sole you know going out for the sole reason to test gear or to conquer the mountain or you know fighting nature you know that whole idea of, of bear grills man versus wild you know that really uh um the the idea that the relationship is based on a fight you know yeah. adversarial relationship i think if 
you looked at you know my experience in the natural world it's not going to be that sort of dramatic fight you know if you were thinking of like a theme for it it's not a dramatic fight uh it's not even an action movie i think it's much more of a romance you know yeah. it's a it's a the, your relationship with the land and I think actually, I think it's more of a romantic comedy because of all like the sort of silly mishaps that happen and <laughs> definitely. Um, but but yeah, because it's it's more of a romance. Uh, just because of that, it's that relationship with the land. And even on mornings like this morning, where the bugs are just horrifically thick, yeah. it's still. Uh, you know, As he said that, I watched mosquito bounce off his forehead. <laughs> it's still um, a romance. But so there is something to that, and I think it comes. It's circling back to that same kind of mindset that we have is that. There's this idea that we go into the woods and everything should be, we should be as comfortable in the woods um, with the same kind of stuff as we are at home. Um, and it's this idea that we, we are an immovable object that the world needs to move around um, rather than there's this great bit in one of these other books that we've been reading called Wisdom in the Open Air, where he talks about this uh, man, Sigmund Cavaloy, talks about uh the idea of Tibetan houses. And he was so struck by them because in the Western world, we build a house and then we change everything around that house so that that house stays exactly the way it was when we built it. And he talks about Tibetan houses that are, uh, they're constantly under pressure from wind and snow and all of this thing. And so it's this constantly evolving structure based on, based on what's happening around it. And I think that's, that's the mentality that you have to have if you're living in, if you're living in the outdoors is that you are, you have to be sort of fluid. You are, you are part of this system and you have to move with it because the more you try to make things, um, the way you kind of think they should be, the more frustrated you're going to get because that's just not the way, that's just not the way the natural world works. Unless you're a beaver, I suppose they kind of, they kind of do that. Like beaver cleaver from the fifties TV show. Yep. Beaver yeah. Cleaver, he 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 made the natural world anything he wanted it to be. You know, he was just an actor. Teeth. It was an actor named Jerry. No, Mathers. I'm not convinced. He was a small child with very deformed teeth. Jerry Mathers. Jerry Mathers. That was a really. I feel like I made a really good point, and then we immediately <laughs> ruined it. Jerry um, Mathers. But yeah, there's there's something to that. Just kind of being part of the outdoor world rather than making the outdoor world your backdrop for things and how you think the world should be. Yeah. Yeah. I gave a talk at the Snowwalkers a number of years ago where about how the natural world is more than just wallpaper for human-based activities. Yeah. And I think that kind of dovetails nicely with the discussion we're having. Yeah. That it, you know, it, it just exists out there. And it's not only there when you're out there trying to run up the mountain or test your new piece of gear right. or, you know, conquer something. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, I mean, that's why we're talking about it is I want, I, I mean, not the whole reason, but a part of it is because I, I want people that come on my courses to have that kind of mindset um, while we're in Vermont, just because it's, um, I think it's a much more enjoyable experience. And I think that uh, people will get a lot more out of it if that's the mindset they come into this with rather than testing their new gear or conquering anything. Because um, I don't, I don't, I just don't have the energy to conquer stuff. I just don't. I'd rather just be. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Joey Chestnut conquering the hot dog eating championship, world championship. Nathan's famous. That's what it is. Coney Island, New York. <laughs> a little punchy. Uh, a little bit. S six days Coffee's, of coffee's kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all. That's kind of all I've got. Do you have anything else to add? 
Uh, nope. We're definitely in the home stretch of the semester now. Uh, so we have no mental energy left whatsoever. Yeah, I can sit and stare at a blank wall for hours. Uh, other programs are just about full through the rest of the summer and the fall. I think there might be one spot left on the fall semester. Uh, but I think everything else is full right now. Yeah, um, I've had... Uh, Two out of ten signups for the program in Vermont already, and it's not registration isn't really even open yet. So uh, that's going to fill up fast as well for the fall. So if people are interested, get in touch. Yeah. Well, I think you've squandered a, a bit of time with us this morning, and <laughs> I thought you were talking to me. I was like, I thought I made some really good points. Well, I haven't squandered anything. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please. Share it or leave us a comment or a review or you you know the drill at this point. Yep. We should make sure we link to all those books in the show notes. Yes. They're worth reading for people. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.